Bob and Pro uh, crowd of people and thought, my God, all I can do is cling to you and what you've promised, you know? And um, I know we're kind of preaching to the choir this morning, um, since we all are convinced God's Word is, is the, the truth, but it's always good, I think, to just remind ourselves anew um, of that fact, and so I really wanted to focus on this. It was interesting, Tia had the radio on this morning, and the preacher was talking about the importance of God's Word in speaking out of Psalm 19. So I thought, okay, well, we're going we're gonna to try one that's a little bit longer than that. But anyway, it's interesting because um, Cecil has... Where is Cecil? There he is. Cecil's spoken a couple of times uh, out of the Hallel's Psalm 113 through 118 this year, which are a series of psalms that basically praise God and praise His works. Um, the total number in those six psalms of verses is 85. So after praising God for who he is, his majesty, and his works, um, then David takes almost over twice as many verses to tell us how important his word is and what he has to say. So um, I think that it would be good for us to take some time and look at that. It's It's an interesting psalm in that it's, the longest chapter in in the Bible, but it's also uh, made up that makes it very easy to memorize if you know Hebrew. <laughs> it's broken down into uh, eight verse sections, and each section starts with a, the succeeding letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and then within that section, every verse starts with the letter of that particular. Uh, alphabet. So it's very easy supposedly to memorize if you know Hebrew Um, and it was written that way uh, for that purpose but basically it talks about you know the properties of of God's word the encouragements of God's word the benefits of God's word and it's uh, and I couldn't even think of what you would call it because it seems like on a a first reading or two that it's just kind of the same thing said again and again and again but it's really um, you guys can help me come up with this it's like a Rubik's Cube but it's eight sided so what would that be called God's some kind of octa something right and I don't even know how it would work but it it basically takes um, eight words ten if you want to be try to connect it to the ten commandments but two of the words are similar. So there are basically eight words that it uses to talk about God's word. And those eight words are all listed in the first nine verses of the psalm. Um, let's see here. Law, testimonies, ways, precepts, statutes, commandments, judgments, and word. And, of course, there's lots of people that can tell you how many times each one of those are used in all the psalms, but I'm not going to go through a lot of the detail about the psalm other than the structure because I wanted to give us time to encourage one another in, the, in, in what the Lord maybe has, has for you to show this particular morning and share with each one of us. So um, I'm going to share on one section um, after everybody's shared, but um, I wanted to just give everybody an opportunity 
um, to share. I, I'm going to share out of Psalm, the Psalm 57 through 64, that particular section. But I really wanted to, to give you an opportunity to read that psalm and kind of uh, glean from it together, you know, about God's Word today. So does anybody have a particular verse that uh, just really is special to you, made special, was uh, kind of re reignited as a part of your heart as you read this week that you just would like to share. Bill? Well, I remember back way back when we had home groups and I would, I would play this for my home group every so often on the cassette player and we would listen to all of it. Mm-hmm. And they have different voices for each of these sections, right? And the guy that spoke um, 129 through 135 uh, his, his, his voice just captured me and then the words captured me. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just, uh, the things are so simple and they're so heartfelt. Mm-hmm. Um, the unfolding of your words gives light and parts understanding to the simple. Um, it's just so beautiful. And then it says, um, turn to me and be gracious to me as is your way with those who love your name. And then the one that says, um, my eyes shed streams of tears because people do not keep your law. Mm-hmm. I just, uh, I just find it remarkable, and it, and it cleanses me, and it just gives me a lot of confidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the things you were praying earlier, just you know, do I hunger more for the word than I do breakfast? And and then you read and hear how, how these yeah. people hungered for God's words. They would get up at midnight, you know, yeah. and, and seek God. And I'm like, oh, Lord, I'm not the saint that the man that wrote this is, you know. And learning to have that kind of passion for the word. Um, I think the pastor this morning was saying that, you know, uh, one that one of the signs of being not feeling well or being sick is not having a good appetite. Mm-hmm. And he was saying that um, you know when you don't hunger for the wor- word, then there's something amiss in your spiritual mm-hmm. walk. And I thought about that. Yeah, you know that's really true. When I'm like, well, I don't really need to read today or tomorrow or whatever. There's something not quite right if mm-hmm. you know if there's not something that's drawing you to to wanting to find out what the Master really has to say today. And I think we have to recognize that, I mean, this isn't Jesus, but it reveals Jesus. Mm -hmm. And Jesus is the fulfillment of these things. And Mm -hmm. so, when it it teaches us these things, it's revealing the heart of Christ. Mm -hmm. And that's what we want to love and worship God for. Mm -hmm. Anybody else? For me, the second octet, Mm -hmm. uh, verses 9 through 16, First, the first half of verse 9 is kind of a rhetorical question. It starts out, uh, how can a young man keep his ways pure? And throughout that uh, eight verses, it lays out what he does in order to keep his way pure. He says, I do seek you. He says, I've hidden, I've hidden your word uh, in my heart. I recount all your laws. I rejoice in following you. 
your laws. I meditate on your precepts. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. And then, and then the psalmist also talks to God, asks God for help so that he doesn't stray. And he praises the Lord. And he asks God to teach him his decrees. Mm-hmm. So he's not, it's not just him. Mm-hmm. He acknowledge, he's acknowledging that he needs God's help mm-hmm. in following after him and being pure. It's interesting when you read all these verses and you, 175 of them, you see what David had to say about the Psalms and in the very last verse, it says, you know, I've gone astray like a lost sheep. And you're thinking, wait a minute. I've gone astray, astray like a lost sheep. You know, and then he says, what you're saying, he says, seek thy servant. In other words, God, you have got to seek mm-hmm. me for me to stay mm-hmm. on the path. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting because this particular octet uh, uh, is entitled one of the safeguards for young people against sin. So it's a good one for all young people and all and people. I was going to say, and old ones alike. Right, <laughs> to to remember. But the fact that he starts out with with the, being young really directs it to that. You know that verse that Bill read. I, I remember it from King James. And Jeremiah repeats it over and over again mm-hmm. in, in his book. But the King James says, "Rivers of water run down my eyes because they keep not your law." Mm-hmm. And uh, there's just so many different verses in this, this song. It, it is really, really difficult to pick out one. Mm-hmm. But 104 has always stood out to me. And it says, from your precepts I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Mm-hmm. And that's the only way I hate every false way. Yeah. It's from mm-hmm. God's precepts. Because without them, I don't hate every false way. Yeah. I know you think about it, just couple those two verses that you read together and think, mm-hmm. well, how much do I hate it? Have I cried over people mm-hmm. that are not following after mm-hmm. God? You know, it's it's very convicting, you know. We can say we hate every false way, and then, you know, well, have I hated it enough to cry over those that are sinning? You know, so... Um, I. His, th- this particular psalm is really challenging. It's inspiring at the same and comforting, but at the same time, it's extremely challenging at the same time. Anybody else? Mary? Yeah, I, I have. Um, it's actually verse 68. Mm-hmm. And it says, You are good, and what you do is good. Teach me your decrees. And in my Bible, there's a sidebar, and it's um, it talks about trusting in God's character. Mm-hmm. And there's a statement in there that says, um, when Christians take in wrong ideas about God's character, they lose trust and eventually become bitter. They see tragedy, and they question why God didn't stop it, rather than seeking what good he will bring from it. And I've, I found myself this week in view of the, you know, the country and just the, the state of our country, knowing that 
God could have turned the, the thing around. He could have changed choices. He could, he could have done whatever, and he didn't. He allowed us to make choices, and to, and yet I'm also challenged with, am I going to pray and really ask God to bring good out of the, the, the place where our country is, the place where my neighbors are, the place where I am? Um, will I will I really allow him to take whatever situation I find myself in and ask him to bring good out of a, out of difficult situations mm-hmm. or or you know just to look around and see the the things that people are opposed to life Lord how can you bring good out of out of that kind of situation that he can do that he is good and he can bring good out of even when people make decisions that are not. And will I, will I pray and seek him and ask him to do that and to reveal his character in ways that are obvious that it's him? What, what version are you of training? Well, this is the um, NIV, but I've got the... It's a while Re- Read the verse again. Um, you are good, and what you do is good. Teach me your decrees. Okay. The, the, the word decrees in NIV, it's translated in other as statutes, mm-hmm. and it means things inscribed. And so really what it's talking about there, are for, particularly for believers, is that which is written upon the heart, mm-hmm. things, things inscribed upon your heart. And so you know, it really lends itself to what you were saying, you know, that you know, he's written it upon our hearts. It's 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 like what Lisa was saying. It's a matter of just following, yeah. following the lead that he gives us. Okay. Tia, can I say a scripture just before that too? Says before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. So mm-hmm. when you're looking at it personally, and also, um, you know, with the election, mm-hmm. that I don't know that you know we would. Be in prayers much? Right. We were, we would, but not. I don't know. You know, it just puts a question in your heart. And also, when we uh, are afflicted, um, you know, would we really seek God, or would we even um, be a part of what He wants us to be? If you know that affliction did not come, and He says, but after He says, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep Your word. Just want to talk about what Mary just said that you are good and do good and teach me your statutes. Affliction does tend to bring people to their knees. <laughs> Another word for that's pain. It can be your friend if you respond to it. Right, Bill. In light of what Mary said, um, the section starting with verse eighty-nine, mm-hmm. where it just declares. God's faithfulness for your word your word O Lord is eternal it stands firm in the heavens your faithfulness continues through all generations you you establish the earth and it endures your laws endure to this day even in the midst of the situations that we we see ourselves in it doesn't change his word. It doesn't change his laws. It doesn't change his character. It's who he is. Right. And the thing that I have to ask myself is, do I 
do I judge God's character by my circumstances? Mm -hmm. Or do I judge my circumstances by his character? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's what's challenging. Yeah. But to read this and see, yes, they are. Yes, they are. <coughs> yeah, <a> lot <coughs> absolute words in here. I love those absolutes. Most well, of the time. A lot of times, <laughs> we we look we look at things through our filter, and mm -hmm. that's why his ways are not necessarily our ways, because we yeah. don't see the whole picture. And you know, God God has a purpose in the season that we're walking through right. as a nation. Um, and some of us may think we know what it is, but we won't know the entirety of it. Uh, and it's for good, you know. There's a verse in there's a verse in Isaiah that um, where he says, "I will strike Egypt, striking but healing." Mm -hmm. And so, his as a good God, you know, yes, he destroys, but at the same time, he he strikes in a way hopefully for a nation and a church that will be repentant, that will bring healing, that will bring more into the kingdom of God. Yes. I was thinking that there's always a, an inclination in the natural man to bring change through political means. Mm -hmm. That Moses encountered it in the desert and Jesus encountered it with the disciples. Mm -hmm. um, but God chooses to change nations through individuals. Mm, that's right. And the verse that stood out to me begins in 25. Mm -hmm. My soul pleads for the dust. Revive me according to your word. Mm -hmm. I have told of my ways and you've answered me. Teach me your statutes. Make me understand the way of your precepts. Mm -hmm. So I will meditate on your wonders. My soul weeps because of grief. Strengthen mm -hmm. me according to your word. Mm -hmm. Remove the false way from me. And graciously grant me your law. I have chosen the faithful way. I've placed your ordinances before me. I cling to your testimonies. O oh Lord, do not put me to shame. I shall run the way of your commandments, for you will enlarge my heart. Mm -hmm. I love that remove the false way from me. Mm -hmm. And then I shall run the way of your commandments, for you will enlarge my heart. He does use individuals and he uses the church obviously he used Nebuchadnezzar to discipline Israel but he also used Cyrus an unbeliever uh, as a way of blessing you know even though he was an unbeliever mm -hmm. and uh, and yet at the same time you know he, he says if if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves so it's not the it's not the political process for, but it's the church. Mm -hmm. If we'll humble ourselves and repent, you know, you know, heal the land. So we're looking at politicians when we need to be linking arms together and praying and and walking the 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 walk that this particular chapter calls us to walk. Mm -hmm. Julie, um, verse one sixty five is really encouraged me. Those who love your law have great peace, and nothing causes them to stumble. Mm. And it is also about just walking in the presence of God that instead of having turmoil and fear and worry and doubt, that I'll be in a place of peace and hope and trust in His faithfulness. Um, even the, the verses following it, it's about the hope of His salvation and 
My soul keeps your testimonies. I love them exceedingly. Mm -hmm. I love God's word exceedingly. And verse 162, I rejoice at your word like one who finds great spoil or, or riches. Mm -hmm. I rejoice that I found the, the, the pearl in the field that I would sell everything or give all of myself to. Mm -hmm. God's word is worth it. Mm -hmm. It kind of reminds me of, um, you know, the the twelve spies that went in the land and they came back and gave a bad report, except for Caleb and Joshua. Um, they walked with a promise. They said, "No, it's good, and we need to go in." And it's like, "No, I know that the word of God is the thing to hold on to." Mm -hmm. And so, you know, one of my prayers of late has been that we, the church would have the spirit of Joshua and Caleb as we walk through this time where, you know, it's, you know, it's going to be probably a difficult time in some ways. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if for nothing else, um, the popularity of Christianity is uh, waning, not waxing. Uh, and so uh, it, it, it's a time to, to hold on to the promises of God's word. Yeah. One other verse in that regard was, you don't get two chances now. Mercy. Fifty-one. The arrogant utterly deride me, yet I do not turn aside from your law. Mm -hmm. The derision and ridicule is only beginning. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And speaking of politicians, <laughs> verse one fifty-five says, "Salvation is far from the wicked, for they do not, do not seek your statutes." Yeah. Yeah, that's the sobering thing that we we see. Anybody else? Well, let me read, uh, starting uh, verse 57. I'm going to read these eight verses. Um, the Lord is my portion... I have promised to keep thy words. I entreated your favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your word. I considered my ways and turned my feet to your testimonies. I hastened and did not delay to keep your commandments. The cords of the wicked have encircled me, but I have not forgotten your law. At midnight... I shall rise to give thanks to you because of your righteous ordinances. I am a companion of all those who fear you and of those who keep your precepts. The earth is full of your loving kindness, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. I've thought about this particular one and um, I kind of wanted to just share out of this particular thing eight characteristics of a sound believer. So if you'll permit me to kind of walk through this with you. Um, the first one is that a sound believer chooses God as his portion. Notice I didn't say a new believer. Because most of us new believers chose God for his promises. But a sound believer, one who is established in his faith, chooses God as his portion. And uh, that particular one 
the Lord is my portion, is better translated, Oh Lord, my portion. So in the original, it's an explanation of, of him grasping and holding on to God himself. You know, he, um, it's part of recognizing that you really are a kingdom of priests. Their inheritance, the Levites' inheritance, they didn't get any land, they didn't get any stuff. What'd they get? Well, who, what was their inheritance? God himself. You know, everybody probably thought they got the raw deal, but they got the best. They got the best. Because when God is your portion, you just see the unequaled value of him versus what? man or the world has to offer so anything that's added to him his promises or his blessings um, is just added blessing but to just be satisfied with him alone um, it takes a while to get there doesn't it you know what is it Psalm 130 or 133 that says like a weaned child I've rested my head and I'm just satisfied with being near you that's very paraphrased but you know we all need to come to that place where you know and we sing you're all I need that song we sing you're all I need but then we're also grasping for other things so out of verse 57 the Lord one characteristic is that we choose God as his as our portion the second one is that we resolve to new levels of obedience I have promised to keep your word. Uh, the, the alternate translation says, I have said that I would keep your word. And um, so, you know, once you see the value of the person of God, you naturally want to listen to what he has to say and to obey what he says. And... Um, so it's interesting because he says he's promised to keep his word. And then the very next verse says what? He's considered his ways. And so I don't know about you, but I've said that I would keep God's word more than once. <laughs> I've promised God that I would keep his word lots of times, which means what? <laughs> I've broken it a lot of times. But you know, you, you, you know, you, it's like, you know, you come back, you taste something of the word, you see something of his glory and his majesty, and it's like, yeah, I really want to obey you. I want to do everything that's right in your sight. And you, and you kind of make this recommitment. And God, he's seen it from eternity. And so it's not like he rolls his eyes and says, yeah, right, you're going to do it again. He, he delights in that. He delights that we are renewed with that commitment. And so, you know, um, he asked for his favor. Well, what's the highest favor you think you could get from God? Grace. To be called his. Grace, what? To be called his. Oh. How about his presence? Yes. Mm-hmm. His presence. Mm-hmm. How much more favor could you want other than his presence? He, Moses realized that. We're not going up. 
We're not going up to that that land if you're not with us. You know, I mean, how how much of a light and how much salt are you going to be in the world without His presence? I mean, that's the favor that we we need. Not only do we want, but we need. We we are nothing without the presence of God, and the presence of His Spirit operating in our life. Um, you know, I was thinking about this morning, this particular thing, and the story about the, the prodigal son or the loving father, or whatever, how you want to name it, came to mind. And, you know, it says, David says here, I've promised to keep your commandments. And the son that stayed home said, I have, let's see, what did he say? I have never neglected a command, Dad. I never neglected a command, Dad. But he was ticked off because Dad had never given him a party. But what was the father's response? You are always with me, and everything that I have is yours. You know, he he had not. I mean, he kept every command, but he hadn't taken his father as a delight and being mm-hmm. his portion. He hadn't seen dad as proportion. He still had his eye on inheritance, just like the other guy who had already gotten his. And so, you know, that's something that we, you know, need to have with that level of obedience. We've got to continue to keep in our eyes God himself as our portion. Verse 58 um, I entreated your favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your word. Um, So you choose God as your portion. You resolve to a new level of obedience. And you recognize the need or favor to keep God's word. He promised to keep God's word. But then he turns right around and asks for God's favor. Because he knows that without that, he can't keep God's word. Mm. And it's interesting here because he understands that he has the assurance that God's his portion, but he stays in this place of humility. He doesn't ask on the basis of merit. He he asks out of a out of a place of humility, and and he entreats rather than demands from God at this particular point. <laughs> Verse 59, I considered my ways and turned my feet to your testimonies. I it's, think there's a phrase missing there. Okay, sorry. I think it should say, I considered my ways and they made me sick. <laughs> well, that is probably true. I would say, when I think of my ways, I love them. Because <laughs> one of the things a sound believer does, a sound believer measures his life against the truth of God's word. And so that's what he said. He's considered his ways, and then he turned his feet to God's testimonies. So what happens is while one studies the Word, the Word studies you, mm-hmm. doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And so if if you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, He is 
not just convicting. You know, the, the word doesn't just convict. It also encourages, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. A lot of times we want to dwell on what we need to get rid of rather than what we've already got. And so God's, you know, God does both with the word. So the key there is to listen and to turn. Now it's interesting that he says, it didn't say I turned my head. Because you can keep still walking in the same direction and turn your head, can't you? <laughs> but I don't know many people that can turn their feet and not follow their feet. Yeah, yeah. And so hopefully the heart turns with the feet. You know, when you, when. So they're just. It's just amazing how when you when you kind of stop and meditate about these things, how full and rich they are and so what he does he turns and he remembers God's testimonies which are testimonies are the witness and confirmation of his promises to his people and the earnest those things he's already given of future salvation so that's what a testimony is what's your testimony it's an eyewitness account of something that's happened right these are God's testimony you turn to God's testimonies and it makes you turn when you see the assurance of those things. One of the things I read said that action without thought is folly. In other words, just to go headlong and do something without thinking about it is kind of foolish. But thought without action is sloth. And it kind of goes into what the next particular verse is. Uh, in verse 60, I hastened and did not de- delay to keep your commandments. And so, you know, what we have here is um, a man who chooses God as his portion that resolves to new levels of obedience, recognizes a need for favor and grace to keep God's word, measures his life against the truth of God's word, and he responds quickly to God's words, warnings, and ways speed and repentance and speed and obedience are two excellent things it's a happy combination isn't it um, to think carefully and to act promptly um, and so Lisa that's what you're really asking for right yeah. and I think that's what we're all asking for mm-hmm. you know is the confidence that God has spoken and then the confidence to act on what he's spoken. Mm-hmm. The cords of the wicked have encircled me, but I have not forgotten your law. At midnight I shall rise to give thanks to you because of your righteous ordinances. A sound believer remains loyal and faithful in the face of affliction and persecution. Isn't that pretty much what you were saying, Randy, earlier? We, you have to stay on a godly path, you know. Injustice, sorrow, attempting to defend ourselves. Those things don't ch- change a, god, a godly behavior. We, you know, a lot of times it's like when you get in a hard spot, well, if you want to play that way, then... We'll play that way. 
that's not godly, right? Um, you know, I think in the New Testament it says to overcome evil with what? Good. Jesus, when being reviled, did not revile in return, but what did he do? He kept entrusting himself to the one who judges righteously out of 1 Peter. So he gets up at midnight and is he thinking about thieves and what people are going to take away from him? He's thanking God. He's thanking God for, for what, he, what God has given him, not what man may threat, threaten or, taken away, or take away from him. And so God's word, uh, when it's in our heart, uh, you know, it does. It helps us remain faithful. In times of trial and persecution. And in verse 63. I'm a companion of all those who fear you. And of those who keep your precepts. A sound believer. Communes with other believers. You know we're. Admonished and encouraged and challenged in the New Testament. Not to forsake the assembling. Of ourselves together. But, you know, our lifestyle should include uh, living in the strength of community. You you go out of community and you have that strength to be salt and light in a world that doesn't think like you. You come back to community. You know, our whole rhythm of life should be that way. You know, we get alone with God. We spend time with God. And then we have the strength and grace to go out and be among people of the world. Then he chooses people that revere God, people that are like-hearted, and he chooses people that keep his precepts, people that are like-minded. And then in the last verse here, it says, The earth is full of your loving kindness, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. So we have um, eight characteristics of a sound believer. He chooses God as his portion. He resolves to new levels of obedience. He recognizes a need for the favor and grace of God to keep God's word. He measures his life against the truth of God's word. God's word. He responds quickly to God's word. He remains faithful and loyal in the face of persecution. He communes with fellow believers. And lastly, he rests in the faithfulness of a covenant-keeping God. He sees God's loving kindness all over the world. Somebody was sharing with me the other day. I can't remember who it was, but they had randomly decided to do something for somebody that they had no idea what this person's circumstances were. And it ended up being a great blessing for that person. Had nothing to do with them giving. And the person they did it for was an unbeliever. Now, if God would use a believer to sow comfort an unbeliever, is not that loving kindness? Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. You know? And he knows also because of the way it ends here. Teach me your statutes. Only God can illumine us to understand his ways. 
It's only Him. And so we all just continue to look to God for His righteousness. And that's the way the whole psalm ends in verse 176. You know. Yeah. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek thy servant. Seek thy servant, for I do not forget your commandments. You know, I so appreciate, I, I think back when Greg was giving away money for young people to learn the Ten Commandments. You know, that was a really strategic and smart move. Um, because if you can't learn all the promises and all the ordinances and all the statutes and precepts, Try learning those ten, right? And you'll be well on our way to, and and in keeping those ten, we'll be well on our way. And so, what we have here is a, a psalm that tells us so much about God's word. But the next step is to do what? We don't want to just know about Jesus. We don't just want to know about all these things. The word. We want to do what? We want to know Him. And we want to know his word. And so, um, maybe this one doesn't lend itself to memorizing in the English language, but there are other parts of God's word that do. And, you know, even if we don't memorize it, we should hide as much of it as we can in our hearts. You know, a lot of, a lot of young people have asked me, how do you know if God's speaking? Well, it's easier and easier the more and more that's, inside your heart you've got much more to know whether it's God or not whether it lines up with his word because whatever he has to say will line up with his ways and his thoughts and so uh, today is the day just to encourage us and the place that we find ourselves to put our trust in God and in his word that you know he will see it come to pass maybe in our lifetime but it may not be but he will be vindicated and his word will be vindicated. And since everybody lives forever and his word is forever, everybody will know the word was true just as it claims to be. Bill, do you have a, another song you'd like to...